This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavett. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston, where your first MLB bet gets you 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to 200 bucks. And also... Don't forget about our friends at Indeed, the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. All right, Greg, we're going to take a look at this team's top talent, and, and here's what you want to do here. And start by counting down from five to one on who we first think the top five players are right now. So the top five players on this roster right now, five to one is what we'll do first, and then We'll get into the list as far as players that we think the Patriots need for them to contend for a postseason spot. So top five players right now, five to one. And then we list the top five players that we think the Patriots will need to play well so they can contend for a postseason spot. Um, so let's let's just dive right in. You're back from some time off with the family. I know you got stuff to do. I'm trying to pack up this house. So again, I apologize for the uh, cavernous audio, but it is what it is. Uh, let's get to the top five players right now. Greg Bedard on your list on this roster. Let's start with five. So just to give people a little bit of background, um, this sort of came off from, I think Mike Giardi started this and it's been sort of spreading by like wildfire, but I, I wanted to do a different twist on it. I mean, it's the dead time. we got a couple of weeks until training camp. Nothing's going on. No news on DeAndre Hopkins. No news on Dalvin Cook. Um, so, you know, we're t- putting a little twist on it. And, you know, my rankings are going to be mostly based off of where I had them ranked at the end of last season and I ranked everybody on the roster. Um, and then we'll get into, you know, if the Patriots are to contend for the postseason and to get into the postseason and maybe win a game or two, you know, who the, t- how the top five changes for that. So as of right now, uh, my number five player, and this will be a little bit controversial because I actually think he finished 12th in my ratings for last season when I went back and looked at it. Um, but some people have left, so there's been some shuffling. And uh, I just think his athletic talent is enough to get him into the list. Certainly, if you're just doing just the purely most talented guys in the roster, he would certainly be in the top five. So I landed Kyle Duggar as my number five player. We've talked about him many times before. I, you know, I think he's good. Uh, I don't think he's as good as like a lot of people – um, think that he is in New England. He is, you know, on if you look at PFF's rating, when they went through like the top 20 safeties, he wasn't on the list. Fowler just did his list pulling NFL executives and Duggar didn't make the top 10. I think he finished like 12th, basically yeah. like in the next group. Um, so, you know, I'd say that's fair. I would say some, somewhere in the around 12 to 20 in the NFL, but for this Patriots team, yeah, I put him at number five. I'm a little outside the box, I think, for some people here, but I'm going to put Jawan Bentley, who for me is rising up on my personal board. You go back two years ago, Greg, we were talking about this guy. Can he do anything in coverage? Will he you know, impact the game in that aspect? And he has steadily improved in pass coverage. He at least can now hold his own water a little bit in that aspect. And I, I think he just continues to be – better every single year 
He's a captain kind of personality on this team. He's somebody that is going to lead this team. So I go with Jawan Bentley as my fifth guy. Uh, I'll, I'll jump to my fourth guy here. We can go back and forth. My fourth guy is your fifth guy, and that's Kyle Duggar. I think the big question for Kyle this year is whether or not he's going to take that final step into being an elite guy. You mentioned Jeremy Fowler's list. Wherever you feel he is, whether he's 5 to 10, whether he's 10 to 13, 10 to 15, is he going to take that step? I thought you brought up a great point, Greg, that's not talked about enough with Duggar, his age. We, we all kind of think of him as a younger guy because he was just drafted a few years ago. He came into the league older than usual. So this could be his ceiling, and that's not a bad thing. He's very good. But can he take that next step? Does he have more within his game to be truly elite at his position? What does Devin McCourty's absence mean for his role? Will he be asked to do more? Will he do some things differently? But I think this is a big year for Duggar. He's got to be in the top five, though. Yeah, um, you know, I totally agree with that. And his age is certainly a factor on whether can he go up to another level being 27 years old. You know, if he was 24, you would say, all right, chances are, yeah, he's got another level to go. This might be who he is, um, you know, which is fine. Will the Patriots pay for that? We shall see. Number four on my list uh, was Ramondre Stevenson. He's a guy that you could argue could be higher up the list. I do think he was a victim of circumstances this past season in that, you know, Damian Harris dealt with injuries all season and they had a couple of rookies there and he didn't really, he had to carry the whole load and that's never good for anybody. He did a good job with it. He expanded his repertoire into the pass game and was sort of a dual threat for this team. So that was nice to see and nice to see going into the season. But, you know, if, if Harris was there to share the load a little bit more, I think Stevenson would have been even better, more effective of course, there were offensive line issues, which also um, sort of dinged Stevenson's production last year. But I still think uh, he's the number four guy for me. All right. Who's number three on your list? So I have Michael Wenu, um, the right guard. I, you know, his his stats last year weren't eye-popping. I went back and looked. I had him for 17 and a half total QB pressures, which is basically like one a game. It's pretty good. Um, 13 stuff runs is a little bit of a lot. He was second on the team to Cole Strange's 27, um, which which leaves you room for growth. But, you know, I, I think every time I turned on the film and did my study, I thought that, you know, he was borderline pretty much every game in consideration for, for three up, you know, somewhere in the top five, almost every single game. There were a couple rough patches uh, in, in there when they went a, 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 a against a bunch of really good interior guys. But I still think he did a... He did a really nice job. He was impressive. And to me, he is the third best player on the Patriots, you know, right now. Of course, he's coming off an injury thing, so we'll need to see where he is. But right now, I would say he's the third best at his job on this team. My three was your four. I'll go Stevenson, legitimate number one back. Show that he can play a role in the passing game. I still think you'll see Ty Montgomery be the number one option for that third down back role. I don't think you're going to see Stevenson catch 60 footballs, but he at least showed that he could catch the football. He had some drops. Yes, he wasn't flawless, but he's not completely useless uh, in the receiving game, which was which was good to see. Uh, I do wonder again, gas tank, how, how much can he give you? Uh, does he does he give you enough? 
all year long from week one to week, you know, 18. We'll have to wait and see. Will the Patriots lean on somebody else as that second back? Can Strong step up? Can Harris step up? Is Montgomery going to be the second back slash third down back? That's all to be figured out. Dalvin Cook, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to at least kick the tires and see where he's at. But I got Stevenson as uh, my my number three guy on my list. Before we get to my number two, Greg, uh, let's talk to the fine people that listen to this podcast and watch this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to give us that thumbs up and that like. Uh, that is very important to the to the success of this pod. Now let's get back to the Patriots while the Boston Bruins tweet out another picture of Milan Lucic to let everybody know that uh, Lucic, if you haven't heard, if you've been under a rock, Lucic is back in Boston. So what? Uh, just my, my goodness, the investment by the Bruins, not money wise, but social media wise has been tremendous. Can, can you imagine if they signed somebody who was good and who didn't look like he was 55 years old walking around the North End? My freaking word. All right, let's get back to the top five players right now on this Patriots roster. We're down to the final two. I'll start here with my second guy. Uh, Owenu is my number two. Look, I, we brought up the idea of Kyle Duggar maybe taking that final step to be a truly elite player at his position. I think this is the year you see Owenu do that. I, I think some people would consider him elite already. The elite word's fun. How many people are considered elite at each position is a different conversation in an entire podcast if we wanted to do it. But I think this is the year that Owenu puts everything together, has his best season in the league as long as he's healthy. And this is the year that everybody says, hands down, that dude is top two or three at his position. I think he's going to be a stud. So I go to Owenu at number two. Good choice, obviously, because I had him on my list. I'm going with a different interior guy, a guy, Nick, who does not get enough respect. I don't understand what the deal is, and I think when I give you a couple of stats from this past season, it, you'll understand why I like him so much. And, and remember, last year, he didn't even get to do a lot of the checks and 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 different line calls and stuff like that He that he's really good at. He'll get back to doing that this year. You know, I just think David Andrews, um, is one of the most underrated Patriots. I don't know why he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, and rightfully so. Michael Wenning is a good player. You know, they want to bring up Cole Strange and, and highlight his really good plays, but overlook his really bad plays. Well, you know, David Andrews is a guy who doesn't have many bad plays. Uh, he really doesn't. When he has a bad game, it's it's usually one, maybe two a season. This past year, he only gave up nine and a half quarterback pressures that's with a rookie next to him. And three. more importantly for me, for an interior center, three and a half stuffed runs. That's it. Like sure. that's, to, that's amazing to me. And not enough people are putting the respect on the name of the big guy from Georgia. I, I don't know if he could get any better than he played last year. Um, interesting that they basically drafted his replacement, another uh, Andrews. Um, you know, but... I just think the world of Andrews, and to me, he was their second best player overall last season. Guy's awesome. Uh, I've never met him off the field personally, but people speak very well of him. Seems like somebody who's got his uh, ish in order and uh, just a tremendous, tremendous football player and one of the better finds for Bill Belichick over the past decade or so. Uh, number one, this this should not surprise anybody. Uh, Greg's number one aligns with my number one. I think it aligns with 
probably everybody's number one for this team. And uh, please do the honors and, and announce that man's name, Greg. Everybody knows the only current blue chip player on the New England Patriots is Matthew Judon, who, um, you know, built off his his first season, which was half awesome, half not so good. This year was more like two thirds awesome, one third like not great, even though he brought up that level a little bit. Um, 62 total quarterback pressures is a truckload, eight and a half stuff runs at his position is a lot. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that the defense has to account for. Is he the greatest one-on-one pass rusher ever? No. Does he get a lot of his pressure from scheme? Yeah, but he fits what the Patriots do. And on a game in game out, down in down out basis, he is their most consistently excellent player. And, you know, he needs to do that again this year. Absolute stud. Again, he's my number one. I would imagine that most Patriots fans, if not all of you listening to this or watching this on YouTube, if you were compiling your own list, you would have Judon at number one as well. All right, so there's the top five players on the roster right now for the Patriots that Greg and I have gone through from five to one. We still have to take a look at the top five Patriots this year that need to play well for this team to contend for a postseason spot. So you would say maybe the five most important Patriots coming up. But before we get to that list, uh, Greg wants to tell us all about our friends at Indeed. Indeed. Indeed.com. And if you're hiring in the New England area, I'm looking. (laughs) Nick's on Indeed. Go look for him over there. (laughs) So, uh, all right, we gave you the top five players right now on this roster. Let's take a look now at the top five players for this team to contend for the postseason. Okay, that the guys that need to step up, play better, or or really show us something in their rookie season, hint, hint, Mm -hmm. that will make this team that much better and give them a, a, a much better shot at getting to the postseason, maybe even winning a postseason game, which hasn't happened in, in a little bit. So let's start with number five, Greg. I'll give you my first guy. I think it matches your first guy, and that's Christian Gonzalez. His ability to be a true number one outside corner could make this defense top three. I know there's some back and forth, and you've been a part of this argument saying, yeah, the Patriots' defense statistically and analytically last year was good, but against really good quarterbacks, they were not as good, and you've got to factor in all of that, and you look at the schedule this year, and they've got a really tough schedule against a murderer's row of quarterback talent. If Christian Gonzalez can be that number one corner on the outside, I think at all three levels, you're sitting really, really well as a defense. And it allows you to do different things with your secondary as well as far as approach. So Christian Gonzalez, I think, is vital to this team and this program this year. If he could be a number one guy, he doesn't have to be Sauce Gardner. But if he gives us at least some of that, you got to feel really good, not only about the long term, but also this season as a Patriots fan. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And in, in this this top five list, this is basically us, you know, looking down the road that, you know, come january or february you know when we're talking about the end of the season for this team that you know these this is the top five list at at the end of the day if things go really well for this team and and you know i put christian gonzalez but it really doesn't need to be gonzalez it could be jack jones like somebody one of the younger cornerbacks has to step up yeah and be the guy you know and, and if it's not gonzalez but jack jones does it that's fine um but i i do think Nick, when you talk about last year's team, and it's nice that people have come around on, um, you know, uh, our sort of 
point of view on this defense, which we sort of said about, you know, all of last, the end of last season, uh, we've been here. Welcome everyone else uh, to the <laughs> argument that, you know, that this team was really inflated against some really bad backup quarterbacks um, and struggled against the better guys. And I think what they've done at cornerback, um, you know, re-upping Jonathan Jones, drafting Christian Gonzalez for, in the first round, you know, hanging on to Jack Jones when many other teams might have let him go after, you know, his sort of second strike as a Patriot within like six months. Um, you know, I think it tells you that the team looked back at last year and said, like, we're not good enough in the passing game. I mean, every good cornerback, quarterback, every good offense – you know, had their way with the Patriots. A lot of them scored at least 30 points against them. I mean, remember, you know, even the Raiders in mediocre Derek Carr, you know, they just needed to make one play and they would have won that game. Instead, Carr goes down and throws like a 40-yard touchdown pass with, you know, 30 seconds left. He converted, what, a fourth and like 15 on that drive? Like, there were so many times the Ravens game, you know, if they just would have had one more play out of the secondary, then they would have been in the playoffs, but they could never get that. So Christian Gonzalez is there, and we're going to go with Christian Gonzalez. If the Patriots are a a viable contender this year, it's because one of their young cornerbacks steps up. All right, let's get to uh, number four, top five players for this team to contend for the postseason. The fifth guy both of us agreed on, Christian Gonzalez, your fourth guy, Greg. Christian Barmore. I think that, you know, we've talked about it before, but – uh, you know, in relation to Matthew Judon, Matthew Judon's really good. You know, he's sort of a scheme guy. Christian Barmore, to me, is the one sort of potentially dominant guy on the inside that is going to be a matchup nightmare for teams where the Patriots, like, if they can, if he's healthy and effective, if they scheme things up to get him single blocked, there aren't many interior guys that can handle him. And if he can start wrecking the game from the inside, it'll make it even easier for Judon and Uche and those guys and, you know, bring in blitzes from the second level, you know, whether it's uh, Duggar or Mapu or whatever. Like if Chris, if Christian Barmore can be, even if it's just sub package as a pass rusher on passing downs, if he can be out there and be healthy and effective and wreck the game like we've seen him do in flashes his first two seasons, even last year when he came back from injury, he had some dominating performances. If he can do that for 17 games, similar to what you said about Christian Gonzalez or one of the young cornerbacks, you know, those young guys stepping up and being a problem makes everybody better on this defense. I'm going offense, and I'm looking at the tight end position for my number four Ooh. spot. You go back a few years ago, Bill Belichick, they draft Asi Asi, Dalton Keene, neither guy works out. They go to free agency, they sign Hunter Henry and John O. Smith. One of those guys worked out. This team has been desperate to try to find the two tight end formula for the last several years. They've been unable to do that. I think they have the two guys right now that can make it happen this year. Uh, Mike Gesicki is going to be my fourth guy. Again, that, that two tight end offensive impact it's rather obvious that Belichick believes that's important. That is crucial to the operation of this offense by the way they've handled that position in the draft and in free agency. And quite frankly, you lost Jacoby Myers. I don't necessarily trust Juju Smith-Schuster. 
I think you're going to see Gasicki play a vital role in that kind of slot position. He's going to move around a lot. He's going to go down the seam. That opens some things up for this offense. If Gasicki has a very good year and Hunter Henry is good, I think this offense is pretty damn good. They'll help the wide receivers out. And because I have some questions at that wide receiver, especially with their health, I'm going to go Gasicki at number four. Uh, my number three is also somebody that you have at number three. We agree on this one. Ooh. And that's Trent Brown. And I saw the tweet yesterday. I forget who it was, but Trent Brown's working out with some other people. Thank God. Hopefully that means that he's going to continue to work out and continue to lose weight. It, it wasn't a one-off train- sort of like it wasn't a one-off sort of like my workouts you uh, know, when I hit the Nautilus like one, once, once a month. <laughs> It's like not working for you. You get on the exercise bike for like 10 minutes. He's like, I, I'm going to get a burger. Let's hope it's not that kind of situation. Let's hope that he's out there and he's working his ass off. And maybe just maybe he realizes that he did not show up to mini camp the way he should have shown up. But I I just think you need him on the left side, Greg. Uh, If he's not good on the left side, you got to look at the right side and that, domino effect and then of course let's not also forget look Cole Strange had a good season last year all things considered he improved as the year went along Mm -hmm. but I don't want to put more pressure on Cole Strange I want him to feel comfortable about continuing to improve and develop so he could be a stud left guard in this league and if you take away Trent Brown and you're trying to put one of the other guys there at the left side that inherently puts more pressure on Cole Strange so Trent Brown is my third guy yeah, I totally agree. And we talked about it last week with sort of our X factor for this team that I think I think he's the he's the swing guy on this team in terms of how the the fortunes for the season are going to go. And that is a man, just to hear myself say that out loud, that is a scary proposition that will probably keep me up at night uh if I'm a Patriots <laughs> fan or especially a Patriots coach, but you know, if Trent Brown is not on this top 5 list at the end of this season, um I I would wager pretty heavily the Patriots have not made the playoffs again. Yeah. I mean, the, the, like you said, the domino effect that if Trent Brown isn't manning one of the tackle spots, and I don't really care which one it is, if he could just do a really good job at one of the spots and be sort of like a borderline Pro Bowl talent like he was his first year here, um, you know, if he gives them that, then then they can be really successful. But if he doesn't, then all of a sudden you're talking about Calvin Anderson and Riley Reef and Connor McDermott and City So playing a lot of snaps and oi, like that's uh, not a good proposition. You know, I let's see, Mac Jones had at least two X-rays in the first three games last year, um, including the you know when he was out for for like a month. Um, you could put the x-ray over under at like four if Trent Brown isn't <laughs> out there and doing a good job um, and landing on this top five list. So, yeah, definitely a, 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 a swing factor on this team. All right, who's your number two guy? Judon. I mean, you know, we all know he's still, he's still got to be there. I mean, you know, could could somebody like Uche do a little bit more and take some of the pressure off him and, you know, bar more? Could those guys step up a little bit more? Yeah, but I mean, if you don't, if if Uche doesn't have Judon on the other side, if Barmore doesn't have Judon over there, also getting attention, then they're going to be easier to shut down on the inside and on the outside. And so, to me, Matthew Judon still needs to be one of the say three best players on this team if they're going to do anything this season. 
probably going to be some people that disagree with this, but I couldn't care less. Holler at me at Nixie Radio on Twitter and just, you know, swear at me, whatever you want to do. I'll mute you. The greatest thing on Twitter still to this day. Elon hasn't touched it. He will soon. He'll ruin that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I'm going to stick with the offensive line. Ooh, boo, hoo, hoo. I-, I sound like Bedard here with my overemphasis yeah. on offensive line play. But uh, I-, I just have this feeling that you can patch it together defensively and, and at least be somewhat okay defensively with-, with the talent that they have on that side of the ball. But one of Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson has to be at least good if not decent, because I don't have a ton of confidence in Trent Brown. And if Trent Brown is not good, Trent Brown, and then you've got an absolute nightmare on the right side, because reef looks like he's 150 years old and Calvin Anderson's a turnstile, then everything is screwed. It's all screwed. This year will be miserable. We'll be complaining every week about this offensive line and how couldn't they have drafted an offensive tackle in the first two rounds and why didn't they move up instead of drafting Keon White and yada, yada, yada. It's going to be fodder for the Adam Joneses of the world over and over and over again. So please, I don't want to hear Adam screaming and yelling at me about this offensive line when I move back to New England and I'm listening to EEI at times. Uh, So Calvin Anderson, Riley Reef. One of those guys has to show up if they don't and you're relying on Trent Brown to save the day. So then you can double on the right side. I don't feel great about that. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's, it's a, it's a bold choice. I, I, I don't disagree with that. You know, it just popped into my head um, to cross sports again. So uh, Riley reef is the Milan Lucic of right. tackles. <laughs> We need some Patriots social media following Riley Reef around. Come on, Stacy James. Stacy James is going to come out in post games and just bring out uh, Riley Reef every post game. We got Riley Reef, guys. Riley Reef at the podium. Let's go. Anyone? Let's talk Anyone? to him. Hopefully, they don't have to wheel him in. <laughs> he gets he gets help by like three guys up to the podium. He looks like weekend at Bernie's by week seven. All right, uh, number one guy. So. You and I, again, we agree on this. We've agreed, I think, on three guys. And I think if if you're a Patriots fan, and you obviously are uh, listening to this podcast, watching this podcast on YouTube, unless you're behind enemy lines trying to get secrets, state secrets about the Patriots, which we don't have. Um, although I do have an entertaining story to tell you after this, this pick here. But we both have Mac Jones. Mac Jones, top five players for this team to contend for the postseason. Mac's got to be number one. Greg, if he stinks, they're not much better than they were last year. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that, um, you know, know, being number one on this team, you could argue, like, he obviously needs to be on the top five list. I mean, I I just think, you know, if – say he gets back to where he was – continues on from where he was with his rookie season. So he wasn't quite – he made the Pro Bowl, but he wasn't quite – a pro bowler, if he's in the, especially in the AFC, if we're, if we're even talking about Mac Jones in the pro bowl AFC voting, um, that means he had a really good season. Cause there yeah. are like 10 really good quarterbacks in the AFC. Um, you know, so it's, you can't judge him like Judon will be closer to pro bowl voting than, you know, quarterbacks just stacked in the AFC. But, you know, if he, if he, goes to where he was at the end of rookie season and goes up about, you know, a step or two, then, you know, he's really effective. He cuts down on his interceptions, increases the touchdowns a little bit more. 
and and I think he will because he, what people forget is that uh, Mac Jones was tightly stage managed by Josh McDaniels as a rookie, and yeah. he needed that. He he needed that. Like you you, the worst thing you want to do with a young quarterback is try to give him too much to do too early, and he can't do it. And then you know, sort of you know, almost if you want to look at Zach Wilson or any other sort of failed young quarterback. I mean, they Josh McDaniels at the time, you know, he didn't know he was going to be Raiders coach after the season. You know, he thought maybe this could be my quarterback if I succeed Bill Belichick. So he had a plan for Mac Jones, and that was, hey, you know, we're going to run the ball, a lot of play action. It's going to be conservative, not too many deep shots. We're not going to expose you to too much pressure, you know, all that stuff. And that was the path that he was on, and I thought that's what they needed to do. Last year should have been another step forward a little bit, you know, uh, sort of loosen the laces a little bit. And this year would have been almost taking off the laces. Do I think they're going to be there yet? No, but I'm hopeful by the by the second half of the season that everybody's adjusted to Billy O'Brien. Billy O'Brien knows the players, knows what Mac Jones likes, knows what this offense can do. And by the second half of the season, we're going to hopefully look at Mac Jones and say, Man, he's playing really good football. He's one of the best players on this team. And, and you know, if that happens, then we're talking about the playoffs. All right, before we get to the member question of the day that has to do with Patriots spending and extending players and all that good stuff, I just want to share this story for like two minutes. I had a dream last night, and the dream included Bill Belichick and one or two unnamed people within the Patriots organization. And I don't know if I was an intern. I don't know if I was a scout. I don't know if I was a lackey. But uh, it was around it was around draft time, Greg, and, and Belichick was having this conversation with whoever else was in the room with them. And they asked me to go get this player's file. And he was talking about this guy that had uh, really leapt out at him and, and, and somebody that had written to him when he was younger and all of this stuff. And he was kind of a, a diamond in the rough. But now he was now he was shooting up draft boards and people thought he might go in late in the second round. I went up the stairs and I opened up this like weird little compartment thing that I needed a key to open. And there was this file on the player and I took it out. The player's name was CJ Dennison. I don't think it's anybody that actually exists, but for some reason that was the name that was in my dream head. So CJ Dennison, if they ever draft a guy, if Bill Belichick ever drafts a CJ Dennison, go back to this July 12, 2023. And I will be the next Nostradamus if 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 something pops up with a CJ Dennison. But I hopefully play special teams. Maybe. And I I opened it up and I had all these uh, all these like you know stats about the guy and all these secrets about him and Belichick was thumbing through it. And I don't know if that's what really happens. I don't know if they have compartments with files for each draft guy. I don't think so. But I woke up and I thought I was a member of the Patriots. I thought I was working for them. And I was thrown off and a little out of whack. So maybe that's my next calling, Greg, as I move back to New England, if Bill's listening. Bill, I got your message via the telepathic dream world. I'm ready to go to work. If you need me to go find a file on a guy, I'm ready. I'm there. I'm willing. I'm able. Uh, So maybe that's my next calling. But I'm dreaming about the Patriots front office, which I think is highly troubling. And I need a light. in, In July. Yeah. In July, in Sacramento, California when it's going to be 110 degrees on Saturday. Woof. I was going to have a garage sale on Saturday to try to get rid of this stuff that we got in the house. 
and then saw that it was 110 and said, yeah, uh, garage sale not happening. All right, let's get to the BSJ member question of the day and away from my dreams. Uh, Mike from Stoneham uh, has a question. Greg, here is what I do not understand. Are you saying the CBA prevents, and I'm sure Greg will give you the context in the background. Are you saying the CBA prevents the Patriots from going to Ramondre Stevenson this year and extending him? He was not a first-round pick, so one would assume they could opt to extend him whenever they want to do. Did the NFLPA screw their players over that badly that they cannot come to a new contract agreement with the team if it's mutually beneficial? So, Greg, uh, obviously Mike didn't just cook up this question out of nowhere. Uh, Where do you get this question from, and what's your answer to that question? So it was my column from the other day about – you know, Dalvin cook and like, you know, it was off of Mike Lombardi saying like, you know, I think the Patriots have interests and they should be interested. And, and it was basically a column about how, um, you know, we've talked about it before that, you know, Bill Belichick believes that there's a salary structure on every team. Like he's not gonna, he's not going to go in and bring in some guy from the outside. Like say like when Julian Edelman was here, um, you know, he didn't bring any huge money free agents, when Julian Edelman was the workhorse here, because, you know, you bring in a guy that makes $10 million and Julian's making five. How's Julian going to feel about that? You know, what's this guy done to, you know, it has a, oftentimes it has an adverse effect in the locker room, even though if fans don't want to talk about it, trust me, it happens all the time on every team, even the Patriots. I mean, even look at, remember when Malcolm Butler wouldn't take the Patriots contract extension offer and the Patriots were like, fine, we'll just give it to Stefan Gilmore. Well, the, it, Malcolm didn't like it. Malcolm's teammates didn't like it to the point that in Stefan Gilmore's first training camp practice, him and Julian Edelman are slugging it out in the end of the end zone. And I do think that was partly Julian uh, giving a little nod to his teammate. So, you know, it was related to, you know, Dalvin Cook. You know, it's fine that you want to bring him in, but this is a guy who wants to make somewhere in the ballpark of $9 million this year. Ramondre Stevenson makes $950,000 this year. (laughs) So Bill Belichick knows better than anybody. That's why I think it's much more, it's you, you, you could much rather see them bring in say a Leonard Fournette or uh, who's the other guy, Kareem Hunt, you know, guys who would take like $3 million plus incentives. Like Ramondre could deal with that. And it would be clear. Those guys would be his backup. But if you're paying Dalvin Cook $9 million a year to come in here and take Ramondre's reps, you know, and take some of his stats for, you know, when he goes for a contract, um, it's probably not going to go well. So I, I have a hard time seeing Bill Belichick doing the Dalvin Cook thing unless Cook absolutely wants to take a bargain basement deal, which I don't think he wants to do. So, you know, my point about Ramondre Stevenson is that he is entering his third year. They cannot do redo his contract until after his fourth season. Yes, I think that's correct. Um, I just drew a blank. But whatever, they can't do Ramondre Stevenson's contract right now. So even if you wanted, in a lot of cases, like say with uh, Devontae Parker, you know, they gave him some future money that maybe makes it better if they bring in DeAndre Hopkins and sign him. You know, they can't do that with Ramondre Stevenson. Even though he's earned, I think over the cap has his valuation at $10 million a year right now, and he's making less than a million dollars. And so the Patriots can't do anything. So, you know, if you're the Patriots, you could go to Stevenson and promise him, hey, we're going to redo your contract 
Uh, here's the framework of it as soon as we can. Okay. You know, and maybe, maybe Ramondre is receptive to that, but what happens if he tears his ACL? Is the Patriot, are the Patriots going to honor that, that contract? So, you know, the point of it was the question from Mike and Stoneham was, it's true. The, you know, for a fifth round pick, for a first round pick, you have four years, then you have the fifth year option. If he was an undrafted free agent, I'm pretty sure they can redo him in two years or possibly after the third. And with every other drafted rookie, it's after their fourth season that they can do their, 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 uh, their contract. So uh, the point is the Patriots can't do anything about Ramondre Stevenson's contract right now. And that makes the Dalvin Cook situation even more complicated. And what they want to. Even if Stevenson is good, how how far are they willing to go? Let's not get it twisted. The running back position doesn't have a lot of value in the NFL. And I know running backs have talked about that this offseason. Christian McCaffrey said something about it. Saquon Barkley, the latest with him in the New York Giants. Is there at a quote-unquote stalemate about his contract situation? The running back position does not have a ton of value. It's been proven that you can go scoop guys up undrafted late rounds, middle rounds and replace somebody and get production from that. Somebody are there two or three running backs that are different? Yes. Those guys are the ones that can catch 60 passes, 65 passes, 70 passes a year. Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Barkley. If he's healthy, those are guys that can be, weapons and not just running backs. Ramondre, as we talked about earlier in this, in this podcast, Greg, he's shown the ability that he can catch the football from time to time, but he's not one of those guys. And so when you're looking at a running back, the vast majority of that running backs production coming from the run game and what he can do with the football, when it's handed off to him, there's just not a lot of value. And Ramondre, he's going to want money. The window is tight, as we know, and it's his right to go out and try to get that money. But I always kind of feel it's it's a little shaky with any running back as far as how long they're going to be part of your program. You never really know. So many guys come in, they drop off. What Pacheco last year for the Chiefs, was he seventh round or was he undrafted, the Rutgers guy? Seventh, seventh. Seventh round pick. You, you can go back. You can go back through the years. And, and, and just look at who won the Lombardi that year and, and who was the running back for that team and how did that team land that running back. There's just been so many guys in the middle, late rounds, undrafted, that have paid dividends for teams. Teams are not going to overextend themselves to get a deal done. Now, would the Patriots want to get a deal done with Stevenson earlier because they wouldn't have to pay him as much? I think that's the route. If Stevenson gets to free agency – then I, I just find it very hard to believe that he'll be back unless he's willing to take a team discount, as they say. That that position just isn't very valuable. It just it really isn't. All right, this uh, podcast brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston. Your first MLB bet gets you 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. He's Greg. I'm Nick. Uh, it's the slow time, but we're going to keep pumping out content. We're a couple weeks away from training camp. I'm hopefully about a month away from actually being feet on the ground in New England. Uh, just stay tuned. Don't forget to listen to this podcast. And when you go to YouTube, don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Until next week, be good, be safe, be healthy.